Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. I want to say something to you this morning. Every person in this room has a story. Every person in this room has a story. And we're going to look at something in a few minutes that is the story of the beginning of the church, the New Testament church. But I want you to think this morning about the story that you have. Now, before I get you to think too much about your story, I want to sort of tell you a little bit about my story. First of all, I have someone very, very special here this morning. Some of you have already met her. You met her a few weeks ago, but my wife, Julie, is sitting down here. Uh, yes, she's the good-looking blonde. That is, uh, she's tagging around with me. I know she's probably got eye problems, you know, but that's okay. All right? I am so excited. She's been here this weekend with me. We've had a good time. She's got to go back tomorrow. And she's got to go back to two wonderful children. In fact, I'm going to put their pictures up here on the screen. Well, in a minute, I hope my, my two kids are going to be up here. I have a son who is 19. His name is Kyle. I have a daughter who is 18. Her name is Kaylin. She is a senior in high school. My son is a freshman in college. My story is this. They're not even supposed to be here. We were told about five years into our marriage that we would never have any children. And I had the doctor at UAB come out and tell me that uh, he had seen three cases worse than my wife's. And they were all in their 60s. So we were okay with that, believe it or not. Now, my wife is stronger than me, I'll be honest with you. Okay, She handled it much better than me, but we were okay with the fact that we would never have children. And we were in student ministry at the time. Daryl, I know you can relate to this, and, and, and Kevin can too. So we just basically adopted the teenagers. We said, these are our kids. Okay, These are going to be our kids. And so we spent a lot of time with them. And, and then uh, we had a situation where... Um, we were at a church down in, in Enterprise where Brother Mike lived. This was before Brother Mike actually got to Enterprise. And my wife got pregnant, and then we had a miscarriage. And then several months later, she got pregnant again and had another miscarriage. And I'll be honest with you, I was, I was upset. I handled it worse than, than, than most people, I guess, and I found out real quickly that I know the, the ladies go through a tough time, but the husbands do too. I wanted children. I wanted to be a dad. But then in 1998, my son was born, and then 15 months later, my daughter came along. And so my story is this. God has a different plan than sometimes we can even see, okay? And so I want to be able to share with you some things this morning. So I want you to, I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. But I want, to be able to, I want to be able to read something this morning. But before I do that, I want you to listen to another story. In fact, it's a, it's, it's a story, several stories that children have come up with on relationships. I came across this the other day as I was thinking about this. And I couldn't help but laugh because I was like, man, children have a different story when it comes to the way they look at life. How many of your parents believe that? Raise your hand if you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes your children can come up with the craziest things. Children can say things, and you're like, wow, you know, what, what's going on here? But I want you to listen to these. These were questions that were asked to children, and these are the answers that they gave. This is their story. This is their take, okay? How do you decide to marry? 
Okay. Kirsten, who was 10 years old, said, No person really decides who you're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. I love this one. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, who was eight years old, said this. You might have to guess on whether they are yelling at the same kids. Is it better to be, I love this one now. This is a little girl who's nine years old. Is it better to be single or married? <laughs> it's better for girls to be single but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. Okay? What do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori was asked. Both don't want any more kids. Okay? And the last one, I love this one. What do most people do on a date? On the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go on a second date. <laughs> Isn't that something? Children have a different take on life a lot of times. They have a different story sometimes. But I want us to look at a story in God's Word where we all begin. We're a meeting here this morning as a New Testament church, and I want you to see where it begins. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now let me ask you a question. Is that real? Could that really happen? I want to point out some things this morning. I want you to understand something. What concerns me today is I look around our world and I see people taking an attitude of, you know what, this world is hopeless. It doesn't matter anymore. We have no hope. Things are so bad, there's just no point in trying anymore. The thing that scares me the most is that I see the church, okay, and I'm not talking about just Parker Memorial. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about people in general that are, that are Christians taking the same attitude, we look around the world and we get discouraged and we say, man, there's just no point. Let me tell you something this morning. If we are not careful, listen to me, if we are not careful and we don't regain our sense of urgency, listen to me, we run the danger of becoming totally irrelevant. And I don't know about you, but I did not read my Bible and understand that God meant for the church to be irrelevant. So this morning, I want us to look at how that happens and what we have to be careful of. So let me ask you this question this morning. What is your story? What story is going to be written about you? You see, there are some traps that Satan himself sets, a, sets about for us in life. And if we're not careful, we fall in those traps, then we become irrelevant. And I want you, as we look at these this morning, to ask yourself, have I fallen into these traps? Now, as we look at these, I want you to understand, we don't have to stay there. Even if you're there, you don't have to stay there. 
The first thing I want you to understand this morning, the world tells us that we have the wrong story. Okay? That's the first trap. We have somehow swallowed the fact in our world today because it's, you know, you can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about God. This Bible's irrelevant. This God thing, man, that was a long time ago. But it doesn't apply today. As I look at this and understand, we have, to, we have to realize the fact the world says there are many ways to God. In fact, up here on the screen, I looked this up the other day. There are roughly 4,200 religions in our world today. 4,200. And so the world tells us as a church, listen to me, that was past, man, that doesn't apply anymore. You have the wrong story. And as we look at this, we have to understand something. I was looking at this the other day, and I kept going, God, this looks so familiar. I want you to flip over. Hold your fingers there in Acts chapter 2. I want you to flip back over to Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to notice something here that happened in the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read the first five verses, and they'll be up here obviously on the screen. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, indeed, listen to that, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. That was a tree of life, okay? Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. I want you to look back and understand this for a second. The world says, church, you've got the wrong story. That doesn't apply anymore. That's the same lie that was started in the beginning of time. Satan said, did God really say that? Then he goes on and says, you will not surely die. Now, that's not really going to happen. Then he says, no, you're going to be like God. You see, our world today thinks we've got it all figured out. Man, we're so smart. we got so much te technology, if it works, right? We've got so much technology. we we got it all figured out. We don't need God anymore. That is the same thing that the devil told Adam and Eve in the garden. And we have to be careful if we fall in that trap to understand. We fall into that, then you're right. We have the wrong story. But it's not just that. It can also be religion. 4,200 religions in the world. There's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 18 of the Pharisee who was a religious man. And his prayer was this. It said the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. The Pharisee was a religious man. And there are people who think, well, if I can just work my way into God's presence, if I can just be good enough, then I'll be okay. You see, religion is the wrong story too, folks. 4,200 religions in our world today. We think we've got it all figured out, but here it is. The truth is this. The truth is found in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is, listen to this, no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
God said there's one way. I'm going to simplify this. He didn't say I'm going to make it easy, but he said I'm going to simplify this. If I tried to tell you how to get to a certain place and I gave you five or six different options of directions, that would be confusing. If I told you there's only one way to get to my house back and forth, that would make it very simple. God said, listen, I I am going to make this very, very plain. There is one way. You go to the cross and then I'll give you directions from there. That is what God is saying. Now listen, you can choose if you want to today to believe God's word or not. I'm not going to argue with you about that. You can choose today whether you believe there's a God or not. The Bible even tells us the demons believe in God and they tremble. I'm not going to try to argue that if a person decides, hey, I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to believe there's a heaven and hell. That's fine. But here's my thing. I've got a choice. I can live my life according to this Bible. And then one day if I found out I'm wrong, what have I hurt? What kind of world would we live in if people just lived by, by the Bible whether they believed in God or not? Well, here's the problem. Flip it around. What if all those people who say this is wrong, what if they're wrong? And God's word is right. See, that's the choice that we have to make. The world tells us that we have the wrong story. See, the problem is that the Bible tells us, God says, if you have one sin, you're separated. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. One sin separates us from God. God sent Jesus to take our place. God said, I am not going to let the story end like this. So the first trap that we have to understand, we have to avoid the trap that we have the wrong story. Some of you sitting here this morning have been wondering about that. Some of you have been sitting here going, I'm just not really sure. God's word's very clear. And he may be speaking to your heart this morning and said, listen, all these other things are the wrong story. Jesus Christ is the story. But that's not the only trap that we can fall in. There's another trap, and I want to call it the trap of the insignificant story. I see this happening a lot, especially to believers that have gotten discouraged. They just believe that, man, things in in my life have just gotten so messed up. I'm so discouraged. Life can be tough. And let's be real. As we look around the world today, we need to understand life is tough. How many of you agree with that? Raise your hand if you believe life is tough. And if you don't, we need to talk. God never said, you will never see anywhere in God's word where he says, hey, once you accept Jesus, everything's just going to be fine. No. That's where people get it messed up. In fact, it actually gets harder. I'll go ahead and tell you that. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I am not going to stand up here and say, hey, ask Jesus in your heart and your life's just going to be fine. It's going to be tougher. But we have to understand if we're not careful, we get caught in this trap. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this. We've heard the first two verses a lot. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've, hear, we've heard that a lot in church. But look at verse 3. 
For consider him, still talking about Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, don't give up. There are people watching you. There are people that you don't even understand are watching you. And we have to encourage one another so that we don't lose heart. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says this, But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We have to encourage each other. Listen, folks. We fall into the trap. I've heard this, and maybe you've heard this before too, that the Christian army is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. You know what? When you mess up, you are usually the first one that knows you messed up, right? And if you've messed up, you're probably the one, if you're honest, saying, man, I lose a lot of sleep over that. When you mess up, you know it. That's supposed to be between you and God. But too many times as a church, we try to point out, well, do you know what he did? Do you know what she did? Folks, we're supposed to be encouragers. There are people that are discouraged today, and they believe that their story is insignificant. My story's not any good. Listen to me. For every person in this room, there's somebody else out in the world that does not know Christ, and they have the same situation as you. And you can be the one that makes a difference. God will use you. Well, he hasn't done that yet. That's what you're saying. You feel like you've messed up too bad. 1 John 1, 9. Remember this verse. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's very clear. That's why Jesus died. You say to me, Gary, you don't know what I've done. Listen to me. You're right, I don't, and it doesn't make any difference. God did, and he sent Jesus anyway. So no matter what you've done, Jesus died for you. God didn't wake up this morning and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know Gary was going to do that. That, that. Jesus, that doesn't count. It didn't work that way. Jesus died, past, present, future. God knows what you're going to do 10 years from now. God knows what you're going to do this afternoon. You can't mess it up. That's what he sent Jesus for. And you need to understand that. I want you, to, I want you to, to listen to this for a second. We're gonna, in just a second, we're gonna, hopefully this video clip's going to work. But I want to tell you, if you've seen the movie Facing the Giants, one of my favorite movies, there was a scene in there where the football coach had become discouraged. He was ready to quit, give up. And an older gentleman who was every day walking up to the school and praying for revival walked into the coach's office and said, Grant, I just want you to know today, God is not through with you yet. And that's where this video picks up. So I want you to be quiet. This may be a little low. I want you to listen and hear what this gentleman tells him. Hopefully this, this will work. Here's what he said. You're just going to have to trust me on that. That older gentleman up there on the right is the one who went in and told the coach on the left, God's not through with you yet. And he walks back out in the hall. He said, do you really believe God told you to tell me that and he said yes I do he said well I have to be honest with you I've been struggling I just don't see God at work anymore and the older gentleman tells him a story he said Grant there were two farmers both of them desperately needed rain one farmer went out and plowed his field which farmer believed God 
was going to send the rain. Coach said, well, of course, the farmer who plowed the field. And then he looked at the coach. He said, Grant, which one are you? You may be discouraged here this morning and think, well, God's not doing anything. He hasn't done anything yet. But it's not my place and your place to decide whether God is going to move at a certain time. That is God's timetable. We cannot live in discouragement. We have to build each other up. But there are also people today who believe that their story is insignificant because they're afraid. They're afraid. Somebody's going to ask me a question that I do not know. They're going to ask me a question that I can't answer. Let me stand here in front of you, and I know Daryl and and Kevin will back me up, and Carolyn. There are questions that we can't answer either. I do not have all the answers, okay? I do know who does, and I will help you try to find that. But sometimes we don't know the answers, and that's okay. But we can't be scared and live in fear. God will sometimes put you in a situation where you can't answer because he wants you to dig deeper. He wants you to figure it out. He wants you to grow stronger. Because when we go through those situations, that's what we become. I've been told that the Bible 365 times says, do not fear. I have to be honest, I've not gone through and counted. Okay? But I do know this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. You know another word for that? Fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of discipline. My Bible tells me that that's not who we're supposed to be. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me this morning. God is not through writing your story. Don't you give up and believe that your story is insignificant. God's not through writing your story. The world says you've got the wrong story. God says, I'm not letting the story end this way. The world says, hey, your story is insignificant. God says, I'm not through writing your story. And there's another trap that we fall in because the devil tells us, hey, listen, you've got more time. And I say to that, how do you know the person that needs to know Christ has more time? We have to be careful of those traps that he lays out before us. The next trap is very simple. There's no need for the story. See, Satan himself tells us there's no need for a story. We don't even need to hear that. We take the attitude that people are too far gone. Look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those that find it. Listen, there are many people headed down the wrong road. They don't know it. Now, they're lost. Maybe they don't know it. Some are hurting. Some are pretending. Some are searching. But the bottom line is they need to hear. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Listen to this. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Verse 13 says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. Okay, look around the room real quick. We hear that. If you've been in church at all, you hear that, right? And that is true. God says, I don't play favorites. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But look at verse 14. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now, I've already shared this with our young adults. But that word preacher does not mean what I'm standing up here doing. It means a messenger. That means you. That means me. We're not off the hook. See, we fall into the trap. Man, nobody needs that story. We, we don't need to share that story anymore. You know what God says? And I want you to hear this this morning. He says to every one of us, I have chosen you to tell my story. You have a story. The question is, are you going to tell that story? You see, folks, listen. The same story that changed the world 2,000 years ago is the same story that will change the world today. And the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is still in power today. And the same Jesus that changed your heart is still in the business of changing hearts today. Do you hear that? Do you understand what I'm saying? God's not through. Now the question is, is it real? Look back at your scripture. Look at your scripture. It's not going to be up on the screen. Look at your scripture, Acts 2.42, that we read in the beginning. And I want you to look up a few more verses. Look back up in verse 37. This is what happened before the New Testament church started. Peter had been preaching. The disciples were sharing the gospel. Verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? Listen to this. Peter said to them, Repent. Each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, 39 says, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word and were baptized that day were added one soul. What? 3,000? 3,000? Oh, come on. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? I mean, that can't be real. What I read to you earlier, we've, we've got God all figured out as, as we look at this scripture. There's no way all this can happen, right? See, folks, the truth for you and for me is this. Your story and my story begins and ends with Jesus. It's what we do with Jesus that will determine the story in our life. But this can't happen anymore. 3,000 souls? And you're probably thinking, okay, goofball, you've been up there trying to make technology work, right? What in the world are you doing with that chair? Now, my young adults have heard this before, but I want to share something with you that just blew me away last week, two weeks ago. My campus pastor, one of my very best friends who knew Julie and I, before we even knew each other, was very instrumental in me coming to know Christ. Three weeks ago, the first week I was working here, called me and said, Hey, we're headed to the airport in Atlanta. Why don't you come have lunch with us? And I went and had lunch. They were headed to Africa. Him and two men going to Africa. He said, Man, this time, he says, This is my fifth year to go. We're going out, way out. 
And I don't know all the terms. I can't tell you where in Africa he went. Didn't matter. Two weeks ago, he called me. They'd been gone for, I think, 10 days. He said, hey, come have lunch with us. I need to tell you what happened. He said, Gary, God did something I've never seen before in my life. He said, God moved like I've never seen. He said, last Sunday, our last Sunday there, he said, it was my turn to preach. And, and their idea of a church is a, a tent, basically with a pole barn over it. Now, I want you to imagine a tin roof over a tent, okay, out in the hot. That sounds real comfortable, doesn't it? Mark said, Gary, a minute and a half, two minutes before it's time for me to get up and preach, it just came a flood. Now, what happens if it starts raining hard on a tin roof? You can't hear. He said, Gary, I was starting to sweat. He said, oh, my goodness, God, what am I going to do? It's my turn to get up and speak. They're not going to be able to hear me. But, he said, we did have electricity out there. I had a microphone. So he said, I walked up on stage. I grabbed the microphone. He said, I get ready to turn around. The power goes out. He said, I panicked. He said, I turned around to the guy who was our interpreter. And I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he said, the guy had a smile on his face. And he tapped him on the shoulder. And he said, Mark, Mark, do not worry. Mark said, he turned around and looked. And every one of the people had grabbed their chairs. And they walked down front. And they put the chair right in front of him. And they said, preach. He said, Gary, I was scared not to. <laughs> the first time in my life I've ever been scared not to preach. He said, that morning, nine people accepted Christ. He said, Gary, three of us for a week and a half. A thousand people came to know Jesus Christ. And he said, it wasn't because of us. He said, Gary, something's happening. And when I heard that story, I said, God, why can't that story happen here? What was the difference? You know what the difference is? Those people were hungry. And you know what God's saying to us? You folks at Parker Memorial, if you're hungry, I'll move. I'll do something. I'm not going to move if you're in the way. You want to see me do something, you get your heart ready. You plow that field. So my question for you this morning is very simple. What is your story? And what are you going to do with your chair? I want to ask everybody to, to bow their heads right now. I want to ask you to be still and be listening to God. Not me. This has nothing to do with Gary. But I want to ask you this morning, what is your story? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Has there been a time when you've asked Jesus to come into your heart? If there's not, guess what? You are here this morning because God wants you to answer that. He wants to make that your story. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me 
you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.